it's going to be a wild ride. So buckle yourselves in. Hello and welcome to Stramash, the podcast of NFL Scotland. And you can tell from my measured tones that Cameron's not here this week. Cameron, he's been in New York. He's now on another holiday somewhere. Uh, it'll be quicker for him to tell us when he is going to be available than when he's not. I am joined, though, by Ian Stephen, Jamie Borthwick, and very shortly we'll be joined, too, by the Wounded Packer himself, Charles Patterson, will join us. Welcome along to the latest episode of Stramash. Let's talk about London. Finally, team number 32, the Green Bay Packers, came along and they got duffed up by the New York Giants. Jamie Borthwick and Charles Patterson were there. The spoils go to the victor. So, Jamie, how was your weekend in London? It was absolutely fantastic from start to finish. And actually, the the fact that I'd almost reconciled myself with not getting a, a result after about halfway through second quarter just made it all the better that they went out and played the way that they did in the second half. It was it was utterly engrossing and then um just an, an incredible finale and an amazing uh, performance to watch live. Um it was yeah un- absolutely unforgettable. The one thing that interested me, Jamie, I mean I think you're a little bit like me. You expect your team to lose at times. And certainly I think that was the majority of Giants fans. But talk to me about those last two plays by Rodgers because I think everybody expected him to get in the end zone. The pressure went up on the on the third down, the pass batted down. What Could you watch? Were you hiding? What were you up to? I was pretty reconciled to um, more than likely it being overtime. Um, the first one... I I didn't think it was a great throw by him. I mean, Thibodeau's um, so got his hands up there and he's and he's he's made it difficult. But I I didn't think the ball came out quite right, which happened a few times with Rogers. And when I think um, they've they've just they've just up a really really effective blitz. They got exactly where they've predicted. There's a bit of risk reward in there as well. But where where they've managed to to bring the pressure from McKinney. Just happened to be exactly where Rogers wanted to put it, and it's just it's just a really really good defensive call. Ian, is this Daniel Jones coming of age game, or is this just going to be a well? He played well, but he's still not going to be the answer for us. I hope that Daniel Jones remains the franchise quarterback for the New York Giants for the next fifteen years at least. If you hark back to our NFC's preview episode on this podcast, Jamie was only looking forward to the season because he felt finally this would be the year that they dump Daniel Jones and they could move on to something else. And he's just teasing the fan base by just putting in these sporadic wonder performances to completely and utterly bamboozle and frustrate the G-Men support. It's glorious to see. Um, it's amazing how just the little the little things in football can change, like a new coach can come in, just the injection of a little bit of confidence and belief in a quarterback, and his play can improve, the team's play around him can improve. Um, it's the fine, the fine little margins, even going as far as the last throw by um, the Packers on 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 um, Sunday, where if perhaps Rogers had given a shoulder fake first, causing the defensive backs to get off their feet, 
he threw in the right place, you throw into the blitz if you know the blitz is coming because there's there's no coverage there. And if he just timed that right, we would have been looking at um, extra time and maybe the Packers would have won it. But that's football. It's it's game of inches. It's small margins and it was good to see. But the worrying thing is, as I said to Jamie on Sunday, is what the Giants always end up doing when they win in London. <laughs> I mean, overall the day, I mean, Jamie, it looked colourful. There was obviously a lot of Packers fans, but I mean, the Giants have got a really good fan base in this country as well. Yeah, it was amazing to just to be part of the the, the ebbs and flows. And, and and let's be honest, it was it was all Packers noise um, until very late in the game. Um was a huge fan base that, that, that turned out. There was a lot of people that came over from the states for the game, um, and um, you know they, they they turned out for their team. It was that drive by um, Jones that eventually made it twenty each um, that changed Aye. everything. They took a they took a TV timeout with the first first and first and goal on the three yard line, which is pretty much the first the first big sort of break in that drive that there was. And the Giants fans just suddenly came up. You saw blue suddenly standing up all around the stadium. You started to hear Let's Go Giants. Um, the atmosphere completely changed. And the energy that it brought onto the sideline was so noticeable because the, the, the defensive guys had been watching on. They turned around. They were hearing this. They were seeing the blue jersey standing up. And it, it felt like it, it, it brought the... the there was such a difference in the energy between the two teams after that point that New York were pumped and Green Bay just didn't ever seem to be able to match that in any way. And that noticeable, definitive momentum shift, and it came from the noise generated by that incredibly unlikely, almost length of the field drive by Daniel Jones with Gary Brightwell at running back and Sills and Johnson at wide receiver, um, and that was that was the turning point. It was a, an amazing thing to be a part of in the stadium. So Charles Patterson joins us as well. Charles, we knew that you would. How did it feel did to you, be beaten did, by the New did, York Giants reserves? Did, did you? Did, I did, ah, it's just a low, cheap shot. Did you actually doubt I was going to come on here? I know that certain people who uh, are not actually bothering to turn up tonight did, but. Uh, of course I was going to turn up. It's just it's got a lot on at the moment. Um, the, you, I, you know, the bit the, I just caught that uh, that word momentum there that Jamie said. And I know that there are people who regularly appear on this podcast who don't believe in momentum and <laughs> things like that. But that, he's absolutely nailed it. It was about momentum. All the momentum was with Green Bay in the first half and it completely swung on two or three plays. So... I say kudos to New York. I think we were sitting there and the, it was fascinating when you sit in a stadium watching a sport that you watch on the television all the time. And, you know, I'm fortunate I've been to hundreds and hundreds of football games and you always get a different appreciation in a stadium compared to watching on the TV. And we were sitting discussing how the energy just changed and the, the vibe in the whole stadium changed. I've never been in a stadium uh, where it's been so palpable. You can see that just gradually organically change over the course of half an hour an hour and it was it was really it was almost like they got green bay had this life sucked out of them it was a slow throttle 
That's what it was. And there's, I mean, there's multiple reasons for it. Partly because the defence at the moment can't seem to make a stop. And partly because New York are really well coached. Well, here's, a, here's, here's another question, Charles. Charles, hmm. another question on that then. Was it also because it was in the Tottenham Stadium as opposed to Wembley? Because I always felt Wembley is like a cathedral to go and watch a, a, a sporting event and I don't like it at all. Was, was it a far better experience in Tottenham? Oh, I'm lucky I've been to both before. And I remember when I went to Tottenham three years ago and the, the noise just run, it goes round and round in circles in there. So you never at Tottenham are out of the noise. Um, and Wembley, it, you can you can get a bit lost in it. I think it's a bit like, it, it's just so vast that actually I don't think it is an atmosphere, it's just noise where this, this is a proper atmosphere. And the, it was funny because Green Bay were so in control of it for the first 30 minutes. And yet, it was almost like there was an expectation of that. So the fans were all pretty happy. I mean, it was just cheesehead central, of course. And then it just gradually got a little bit edgy. You could feel the, you know, the kind of tension beginning to, to kick in when you, it was quite apparent that Green Bay were not functioning on all cylinders in the second half. And then there weren't many blue shirts around us, around the stadium, but there was loads around us. <laughs> uh, I don't know whether Jamie would have been paying people from New York to come and sit near us or this is Cameron's idea of a funny joke but there was a rather large contingent and we were right behind the New York bench and they, they did respond to that as Jimmy was just saying so um, momentum is everything in sport there's absolutely no doubt in live sport you can look at all the effing analytics books and all the computer programs you like and Matt LaFleur is as guilty of it as John Harbaugh but you cannot account for confidence and momentum and that is what New York had and you saw it seeping out of the Green Bay players and that's the way that's why they lost so we do have some Belter nominations. Uh, Brian Dable for Mastermind in the Giants' great victory against the Pack in London. Huge underdogs in a foreign stadium full of mostly Packers fans. He orchestrated a coaching masterclass and a Giants team that was severely depleted. The quarterback had a limp and a bloody throwing hand. That comes from Chris Mackay. Stephen Bryson goes for Daniel Jones and a dodgy ankle with his two big-name wide receivers and Shepard and Golladay out with Barkley out for part of the second half he leads the Giants to a miraculous win and uh, basically reckoned that it was a thousand to one outnumbered by his, the jerseys of Aaron Rodgers that were around the place but he managed to get <laughs> the job done uh, Steve Briggs the New York football Giants I was going to give the nominations to Travis Kelsey for his four touchdowns however it has to go to the Giants for giving us long-suffering Bears fans the most enjoyment at a football game against the stinking cheesy boys we've had in years uh, <laughs> Stephen Lynn says uh, New York Giants inventive of offense play calling great defense when needed thoroughly deserved he said uh, Brian Morris and the Packers of Scotland both say Saquon Barkley, plenty of big performances this week. Saquon coming back from the locker room with a huge catch, brilliant game-winning touchdown, gets the nod from me, says Brian. And did we not meet Scotland. Brian in the pub? I'm sure yes, we met we Brian in the pub. Yeah, we did. Uh, right. Single-handedly <laughs> destroyed the Packers in the second half. So there was lots and lots of love for their Paddy Kelly. Uh, the Giants, no one expected that. Terrific, terrific win. Charles... Uh, it's hard to go and watch your team 
when they don't win and then you've got to go out with everybody else and have a good time afterwards how how was your actual day though as a fan we well we had a we we went out the night before and we went loudly on it so um <laughs> i think you if Green Bay had won by 40 points, I think we would have still gone to bed at the time we did because we were completely wiped. The whole experience of it from the Friday night in town, which was absolutely magnificent. Um, I mean, there were Americans over from Wisconsin and the, you know Minneapolis and Chicago in their thousands, in their thousands. Um, there were a few New York you know, fans, there are a lot of people over from the States uh, for this one. I think because this is a really special game for them to come over because Green Bay obviously don't have never travelled before and the Giants are such a massive franchise in itself. Friday night was bouncing. It was absolutely terrific. And we were slightly weary on the Saturday, but the game day, um, we don't drink beer at all. We're completely teetotal, by the way, just to sort of put that out there. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, the game day experience was great and I... I throw it right back in the face of anyone who bitches about getting to Tottenham. I haven't got a problem with getting to Tottenham at all. It was a beautiful day. We wandered into town. We had a massive brunch, which was terrific. And then we wandered over the Thames to Liverpool Street Station, got the train. I mean, it was busy, um, but we all came out, filtered out, 15, 20-minute train from Liverpool Street. Um, The only thing, if you wanted to go to the shop, forget it because the queue was about an hour and a half long. And actually, at the end, Jamie was chuckling because I, as soon as Rogers um, stepped back and got sacked, I was halfway out the door and down the steps. And there was no queue at the shop, so I managed to get in the shop. But if you wanted to go to the shop before the game, it was a non-starter. But apart from that, it was just, it was fabulous. And Tottenham as a stadium is a great experience for a sports fan. It is a brilliant Brilliant experience. Um, was, it difficult, you, was it difficult getting back out, Charles? Well, it's, no, it wasn't because we used our brains, actually, and we didn't go to White Hart Lane Station. We went in the opposite direction across to um, Northumberland, Park. Northumberland Street or Northumberland Road, and we got on there and we waited five minutes, ten minutes for a yeah. train, and that's that's not even half a mile, half a mile walk from the stadium. It's just that you go in a different direction, and that's the beauty of Google Maps. Check where your stations are going on a different line. Everyone was going on the same line. So we just went on a different line and we were back into town in 20 minutes, half an hour. So it's not that bad, actually, at all. As Contrary to, to popular opinion. I really wanted, yeah, I, think I wanted to dwell on Saturday for a bit, actually, because obviously that was our first day down there and it's not like the official part of the trip or anything, but we, we, we wanted to get round to as many kind of rallies and fan meetups and stuff as we could. We went to the official Giants one in the afternoon. Um, spent a couple hours with uh, a couple from uh, Los Angeles who were yeah. fans who'd come over. Um, it was it was great to talk to them about you know different sports that we like, but they were so interested in kind of why on earth um, these two guys from Scotland were so interested in NFL. We're running a podcast, um, and yeah, it was it was it was just brilliant to meet uh, Andreas and and Jen um, there, and then we we're across. The other side of the river for well, we went past the, the Packers pep rally at Belushi's, but it looked like a good hour's wait to get in. And we went to but and every bar in that kind of London Bridge area town was absolutely was absolutely rammed with uh, green and gold. So we found a, a great kind of space uh, and um hung out with these guys from Wisconsin who'd all come over and um, daft tweed outfits. Oh, the most the best dressed fans you have ever seen 
I mean, Paul, <laughs> Paul, Paul, they would look fabulous on a Sunday morning, honestly. I mean, they, they had the absolute proper wool thread suits and all their wives had these pashminas that were green and gold knit. And, oh, they just looked like they had spent a million dollars on it. And one of the guys we spoke to had booked a hotel room for his bags because he was flying out the next the next afternoon and straight after the game. So he, he was going to take his bags to a hotel room near Tottenham, check them in, <laughs> go to the game, and then go and get the bags and go to the airport. I mean... How, how then, the other yeah, half of Lis- Wisconsin live? We topped it off with the the the, the Packers of Scotland guys who we did managed. It was their first time actually all like physically meeting up as well. Um, it got quite emotional at one point. Yeah, they made a big yeah. speech. It was actually great. It was it was so great. I mean, despite the fact that they were so confused when I turned up in my Eli Manning Giants top. Um, because they're that they're part of our community as well, aren't they? They have that same sort of uh, trying to build something that we have at our like you know opening week events and things like that. You could see how much it meant to them all to be together. We had they had um, Packers fans from Denmark turn up as well because they they had that similar sort of like you know small part of the world loving this huge game in a huge country on the other side of the the ocean and. And, and everyone just got along. Um, and so all of those parts of it will will, will stay with me. Um, well, what Jamie's actually referring to there is um, something that cropped up with Roger Goodell when he was asked at the fan forum of could there be a, a, a London franchise? And he said, why stop at one in London? And I think the the kind of rationale he was putting forward is it might be an actual European division, mm-hmm. um, which... When you look at all the kind of comments when it appeared on Twitter and online, it seemed that everybody in the UK is kind of dead against it because they've um, already picked their team and they don't think a, another franchise would gain support. But I'm kind of the opinion of if, if it's not your team that's playing, maybe you might go along and support them. So if it was like the, the London... I don't know, London Dragons or whatever against the Dallas Cowboys, you might end up having a ton of people going along and support the Dragons because 31 out of the 32 sets of teams aren't, aren't Cowboys fans. So, but, And also, just when you, you think of the amount of money that currently the NFL aren't making because they don't have a franchise in Germany, they would sell out like a 200,000-seater stadium in Germany instantly. They, they would break all attendance records. So you can understand what their philosophy is and wanting to explore it from a purely financial terms. I've, I've, yeah. got, I've got to say, just on that, I'm, I've now been to three London games, spread over about 12 years. So I went to the Niners-Broncos game way back in the day, one of their original ones, and I've been to two in the last three years. And I am now of the opinion that it's this is the way it should be. I don't, I don't want to have... If you're going to bring a franchise, it has to be Jacksonville or nobody else. Um, for me, as a as a as a journalist, as a fan of this sport, the novelty factor is wonderful. The amount of money that is around the NFL London games is absolutely extraordinary, and it is an absolute money making machine. That if they had a franchise, it would it would sell. There's no doubt about it. But the key point here is that the fan culture in this country is so different, and if you get a team like the Panthers, for example, imagine having them in this country at the moment. The, the media here is more brutal than anywhere in the world. Nobody would go and watch them. 
And then that would automatically be a fail for the NFL. Every year, if you bring three or four games over, it's going to have that novelty factor and it's going to remain a sellout. And actually, they're going to continue to make money off that. I just think that the whole mystique of it would be lost if you had a, a franchise here. That's my personal opinion now. And I've seen enough and I've been part of enough to kind of form that opinion. I don't think I'm going to change that. Yeah, can I just say, I, I just don't think Roger Goodell gets it. I don't think he understands the event nature of the weekend and what it means to people. Because I think it's a very bland statement to come out and say, yes, we could add a team in London. He doesn't understand the fan culture, the travel, what it means for people. And I think I tweeted about this, guys. I would just like one international series game without hearing this shit from Roger Goodell. I'm, I'm, <laughs> honestly, I'm, I'm done I'm done with him and I'd like him just to stop. Guys, I'm cautious of time, so we'll move on to some of the other belters that were around this week. Uh, Sean Black, Austin Eckler, a career high for rushing yards, found the end zone again. Looks so good, helped the Chargers negate the Browns pass rush. That's Sean Black. Lord Callahan, Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen, 424 yards, passing four TDs against the Steelers. Although I have to say, I don't think the Steelers were particularly great. Cameron Christie, the Cowboys defence, uh, almost single-handedly winning games for the Cowboys so far this year. If only it was a quarterback could be added to the offence, they could be a contender. Uh, Craig Suda says, Davis for the Bills, top two plays of the week on red zone, first time it's ever happened, come on. Stephen Joy says, Demeco Ryan's Diners defence, so many injuries, but the next man up always knows his job. Gabe Davis, well, it was always going to come, I've mentioned that from Craig, so there are three catches, 171 yards, two highlight reels as well. Gabriel Davis talking about the way he came back from his ankle injury, that came from Adam Mitchell, which I'm not sure is a relation. Uh, there is more than one on the internet. Uh, Brian Dando, <laughs> we mentioned the Giants, both you and Chalmers, and Mark McHugh and Josh Allen, four TDs, a good week for him. Guys, I don't know if you realise this, there was only two quarterbacks in the league this week that had passed a rating of over 100. Uh, one was Josh Allen. If you can work out the other, I'm going to read out the rest of the, the belters, see if you can guess who the other one was. Was it, was it Prince Harry? <laughs> no, no. Uh, well, I mean, it's Carson Wentz, Prince Harry. Yes, it, it was. It was. Uh, although he's much more likable, um, Carson How Wentz. is that even possible? Oh, my God. He was yep. he was their best player, uh, apart yep. from the... Which says it all. Yeah. But, so we, we've got uh, Ross Sterling has said the belt should be Russell Wilson for making the whole of Broncos country believe they were Super Bowl contenders and going to win the AFC West only to be, and this is very uh, stromash like utter dug meat. Um, is I called this hilarious. I yep. called this a few weeks ago. I said he was done. I said he was rubbish. I said Pete Carroll was a smart cookie. There you go. Lord, Gino Lord. Smith. Put it all on Geno Smith. Put on every primetime game till the end of the season. It's, it's hilarious, isn't it? It's absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, they may well get rotated out. Now, the most of any any individual, Ian Brown, Sarah Taylor, Ross Taylor, Joe Stephen, Alan Morton, Gillian McLaughlin, Darren Barry, Gary May, Kenny Law, Reese Newins. Uh, it's got to be Taysom Hill. <laughs> 
Uh, uh, Sarah says, pains me to nominate a Saints player, but I think he definitely deserve it this week. Uh, Joe Stephen, for having a career game and looking like he was lots of fun doing it. Minus points to me for leaving on my fantasy team's bench. Alan Morton says, Mr. Do it all four touchdown game, fumble recovery on special teams as well. And that's pretty much the what everybody else said about him. Uh, the Bills, Phil Spears and Jason Hoffman get some mentions. And I mentioned Paddy Kelly talking about the Giants. Johnny Bailey says Travis Kelsey four TDs for the Chiefs one of the best tight ends of all time I think that's hard to disagree with but gents do you have anybody that I've not mentioned in terms of who's going to win the Taysom Hill Belter of the Week award you love this don't you Taysom Hill utter dear me Austin Eckler's a very good a very good weekend 173 yards and 16 carries Um, big part in the, a very, very exciting win uh, against Cleveland. And he's opposite number, Nick Chubb actually had a really good game as well with two touchdowns and 134. Um, also like Jeff Wilson when he was uh, playing for San Francisco, 120 yards. Um, he was running pretty tough. He looks like a wee guy, but he's like over 200 pounds and uh, he's a good player. Can we uh, give a shout out? I, I, I hate mentioning the Cowboys, but I think when you talk about Michael Parsons as possibly the heir apparent to Aaron Donald as the uh, player, the, the defensive player of the year for the next 10 years. When Aaron Donald finally hangs it up, Michael Parsons is unplayable. And I never thought I'd say this, but there's a Mike McCarthy team that's got a good defense. Mm. And it's all down to Dan Quinn, of course, the, the coordinator, but Dallas have managed to win four games without Dak Prescott. And although some of that was down to Cooper Rush, um, and some of that has been down to the fact that they played the most inept Super Bowl def- defending champions in living memory. That defense is terrific. And he is the keystone. And he's going to cause all sorts of problems for all sorts of teams over the course of the uh, the next five, ten years. I mean, he's absolutely box office to watch. Box well, I'm not, I'm not looking forward to for this weekend because the Eagles have got the Cowboys and the Eagles have currently got their third string left tackle um, yeah. starting against Michael Parsons. And they could have a, a second string left guard. So if you get the entire left-hand side of your um, offensive line being incredibly underexperienced, then I would Roll him out to the right, Ian. Roll him out yeah. to the right. Well, luckily he does. But well, basically all, all Jalen Hurts does now is line up and do a, a one-yard uh, quarterback sneak. But it's the most efficient quarterback sneak in NFL history. They're actually going to change the rules because of Jalen Hurts and his quarterback sneaking um, in the competition committee at the end of the season. I'm, I'm guaranteeing it right now uh, because of how well the Eagles are doing it. But oh, one thing, actually, the Giants-Packers game, one thing I did not like at the end when the Giants were stating they were going to take the knee, but then they didn't do it and pretended to take it and then just stood there. At that point, Daniel Jones should have been slammed to the ground. And if it was a pumble, the Packers should have been allowed to recover. That's the only downside to that Giants win. Uh, Jamie was very, very poor sportsmanship at the end. The guy, the, the Packers fan sitting next to us at the game was absolutely raging about it. <laughs> he was yeah. not a happy bunny. I, 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 found it, I found it very funny. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, no, no, you're 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 right. It's 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 a bit off, but um, uh, the way the guy reacted to it in the stadium was great. So, guys, in terms of our belt, the rewards nobody better than Taysom Hill this week. Are we agreed? As a player, yes. Yeah. I would give it to Brian Dable purely if 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 he was a player because he coached a mastermind of a game. But yeah, Taysom Hill, 
Let, I mean, listen, we've given it to all sorts of random people thus far this season. So, yeah, let's give it to him. Fantastic. I'll come on to both in a moment. Just want to mention a couple of results that that leapt out. The, the Colts-Broncos um, game, we, we will just pass over. Uh, Eagles getting a late win to remain undefeated. Cowboys really impressed. We've just talked about that. 49ers doing what they should have done against the Panthers. A couple of wee surprises. The Lions being shut out by the Patriots, I have to say, was a surprise. The Dolphins, obviously, the third-string quarterback, being absolutely hammered by the Jets. The Jags, who are London-bound, um, rattling up six points. The Broncos rattling up nine. Going to be a real shootout at Wembley in a couple of weeks' time. <laughs> I think the hospitality is going to be very, very busy indeed. I think this is going to get a mention in Bowfin, but let's have a little chat about the Falcons against the Bucks. I actually quite like the Falcons of Mariota at quarterback, but it would appear that unless you pick up Tom Brady, uh, take him above your head with 10 people and lay him very, very gently onto the turf, you're going to get a flag. Guys, what, what's happening in the NFL with these rough in the passer calls? Because honestly, it's dreadful. Well, there was another one on uh, on the Monday night with yep. Chris, Chris Jones. Yep. And there's, I, I was watching your favourite show this morning, Paul, uh, Good Morning Football. They were debating this. And there was chat about, could you have an extra referee that's purely watching the quarterback? Because in every game, referees make mistakes. In every game, a call is made that actually on reflection and on replay um, is not the right call. But that is the point of sport. It is not meant to be perfect. They tried to do it a few years ago with the pass interference call after you made such a song and dance about the NFC Championship game and the flags that were that should have been thrown and weren't thrown. So the NFL brought that rule in purely for you, Mitchell. It Quite didn't right. work. They got rid of it. What are you going to do? You can't. You 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 do have to protect the quarterback, but you also have to let them play football. It's not going to be perfect every every day of the week. Maybe you get an extra referee in there. It, you're not going to get an extra camera on it. There's no point in delaying the game any longer than it is. I mean, the thing, the, an NFL game is three hours long. If you have a, if you, if if you have people challenging pass interference or challenging uh, roughing the passer, it ain't going to work. The the thing is with the, the Chris Jones thing. I mean, you could understand because the body weight of Jones landed on the quarterback and that's how the kind of rule then starts to become interpreted did he try and break his fall or not the Brady thing was just nonsense he just lightly tapped him he gently he gently kind of nursed him to the ground like he was a babbling toddler there was absolutely no violence in that whatsoever and I can understand the concept of oh Brady's like one of the faces of the NFL they want to protect him I can understand the concept I don't agree with the reality because this is football Part of the part of the game is contact. If you're not able to suit up and suit up and absorb a normal football blow, get off the field. I don't care if you're forty odd years old, the greatest of all time, with two hundred million in marketing deals. This doesn't. This sport isn't yours. You can go play badminton. There's minimal contact in badminton. I'm sure you'll get a lot of exposure doing that, and you'll have a really really good time. But football is about hitting within the permutations of the game. If they want to start talking about protecting players, like they're talking about protecting quarterbacks, stop talking about protecting quarterbacks and start talking about protecting players. Maybe you need to start introducing a rule saying the only time you can be anywhere near a player's knees is when he's got the ball. Any other time, you're not allowed to go near a player's knees. The amount of times 
linemen um, get serious knee injuries from very, very kind of dodgy close by cut blocks or uh, when players aren't watching down the field. They need to start taking a, a very, very long, hard look at that rather than molly coddling a, a, a player who they feel the entire um, premise of the game is based upon. It's not based upon having one or two very, very immobile quarterbacks and protecting them. See, when you go back to Michael Vick was the quarterback at the Eagles, he got no protection whatsoever. He gets slammed to the turf in every single play. And it could be because of the perception from the officials of, oh, he's a running quarterback or he's a physical quarterback. He can take it. Brady isn't. He's an old man. Let's protect him. Doesn't work like that. The, the, there's no kind of um, molly coddling within the permutations of the rule. It's, it should be black and white. And it was not the case in that instance. That was a shocking, shocking call. And it was by Jerome Booger, who's an experienced referee. <laughs> Jamie, was this an overreaction to the problems we've had with Tua in Miami? That was that was something that went through my head as soon as I saw it. Um, but both both the hits on Tua were innocuous um, and incredibly unfortunate in the way that he went down. Innocuous as they were, that that sack on Brady is almost less violent than either of the things that happened to Tua. Um, I think, yeah, the, 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 the Tua hangover, the, the hangover is what happened to Teddy Bridgewater. But, yeah. Bridgewater sneezed. And they yeah, and they got pulled out of the game. <laughs> um, no, I, 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 don't think, I don't think it's something we can actually assign to a pattern. I think it's a, a referee. Um, and I think we see them over... Over the years, and it's been a period of years now, um, get slightly overzealous when um, they see hits on big name quarterbacks. Um, it's really actually been slightly better at it recently, but uh, we were back at it again yesterday, and you'll see plenty of hits on quarterbacks like that this year, and absolutely no flag will go up. So I'm hoping that was just a, an, an isolated incident where they decided not to pick the flag up. But um, it was uh, it was it was a nonsense, and I can't add anything to what you very eloquently said. Let, let me run through some of this. Mark McEwen roughing the passer. Officials doubling down on roughing the passer calls this weekend. The next logical step is to have read no contract training shirts on. I think we know where he stands there. Um, Let's have a look. Uh, Steve Briggs, Ross Sterling, we mentioned Jerome Booger. Uh, hell of a lot of bouffing around the NFL this week, but my nomination goes for the referee in the Bucks Falcons game. Brady said on the radio that he doesn't throw the flags. However, he does whine a ball to the referees. Uh, Ross Sterling says throwing the word unnecessarily out there to defeat his bullshit rough in the passer call on Tom Brady. What does he want Jarrett to do? Tickle Brady because that's who he is. Utter horseshit officiating. Compare that to some of the hits by the Bills D on Kenny Pickett. It's an Utter joke, Gary May. Again, the roughing the passer call. Paddy Kelly going with the officials. She'll likely go with a horrible Brady call or the awful Jones strip sack on Carr. But the officiating since that Chiefs call has been nothing short of rigged. And uh, he's not happy. The official really starting to harm the sport, which I think is a really interesting point. Cameron Christie says the officials in Tampa. Again, that doesn't get called on anybody else. Lauren Callahan says the officiating. Initially, he was going to go with Broncos. Colts snooze fest, but the bullshit 
calls. Finding more and more officials are calling things on one team in a game, but not throwing the flag for similar situations carried by the opposition. Mika Parsons getting held just as badly as Aaron Donald was. Donald gets the flag. Parsons does not. Sarah Taylor, Stephen Joyce, James Whitson, all talking about the roughing the passer call. Get why they want to protect the quarterback, but really just thinks it's dreadful. Kenny Law, Joe Stevens, Reese Nunes, all basically saying the same thing. The roughing the passer call on Brady was just insane. A couple of other bowfing nominations. Russell Wilson, he got a Belter nomination. He gets a bowfing one as well, quite rightly. To Matt Lafleur, run the well. It's got all sorts of ampersands in here, but I think the message from the Packers of Scotland, Charles, was run the damn ball. No, no, not right. I'm gonna nip this in the bud right now. You. It, Lafleur is as equal to blame as the defence. There's no doubt about it. If you're thinking about where the bigger problem is in Green Bay, it's the defence. So, Packers, by the way, shout out to Packers of Scotland. They gave me a free t-shirt. Look at that. Absolutely that, that, terrific. That works well on a podcast, Charles. But, yeah, we, we'll, 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 need, we'll need to tweet <laughs> that out. Thank you. Um, we'll to describe it. It was black. It's got a badge in the corner with a saltire and Green Bay. And it's Charles. green. It's not black. It looks black in my screen, and Charles is very, very happy with it. Big smiles. <laughs> great. I went to London. I got a free T-shirt. What can be better? You very kind of them all. You should get a T-shirt with that on it. Let's talk about your quarterback. Steve Lynn says, Aaron Rodgers, just go down before you do more damage to our great <sighs> franchise. Should have gone three years ago. Stephen, you know better. Shut up. Stephen Bryson said, the last team to come to London, which is poor, despite a great away sport, the supposed great quarterback laid an egg as if they went up early and expected to win. Much he like Charles. He didn't lay an egg. In the stadium. Oh, I'm God. just telling you. It's, so, but my favourite one here is um, special mentions to the fan who had a London 22 on the back of his jersey. You'll look back on that fondly. And anyone who spent £60 on a cheese head. £60 <laughs> for a bit of foam cheese. Come on, go pack. Go home with your tail between your legs. Jason Hoffman says, Aaron Rodgers, pish, just pish. Uh, Craig Sutter says... Amandola, awful field goal to hand the game to the Eagles. Adam Mitchell, anybody who watched the Texans versus Jags game. Uh, Brian Morris says Baker Mayfield. Phil Spears says Brady's bodyguards, i.e. the referees. Ian Brown, Browns and Chargers, comedy goal to finish this game. So bad, it's actually good. Um, Patrick Watson uh, gives it to ITV, who had the... Terrestrial coverage in the, the UK. What's his, what, who was that? Wait, 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 who said that? Patrick Watson. Who does, so he, su- gonna, who does he support? I don't know, but let, let me read out the comment. Yeah, uh, give me his I, details. I'll have a word with him. Which I, which I will say with absolutely no uh, one thing or the other. Um, Give us, give, for giving us Darren verbal diarrhea Fletcher on commentary for the Packers-Giants game instead of using the US commentary feed was just dreadful, ruined the viewing experience, had to put it on mute after he called the penalty flag a cloth. So I don't think he was overly, overly happy there. Uh, guys, we need we need a bowfing bouf, award. Who, who, who takes it this week? It'd be unfair to give, give it to... I'm unfair to give it to Detroit. Well, even though, they, even though they didn't score a point. Gillian McLaughlin suggested Detroit Lions, no points, say no more. I'm just wondering if Johnny Bailey's late one here, uh, the push on the camera guy at the end like a spoiled child. No, no, no. Uh, I think Johnny Bailey needs to look in the mirror. His team got absolutely uh, buzzsawed by the Buffalo Bills. So 
No. No. If, it, if the, the worst performance of the week by a country mile was Pittsburgh Steelers. Country mile. And they're lucky they're, lucky they're not uh, worse after that week one last second win in overtime. So... Uh, I made a I made a prediction on the, the one of our prediction podcasts that uh, Mike Tomlin would be fired, and Cameron just laughed at me. And I mean, <laughs> there's a possibility now. Mm. Uh, uh, I, well, we'll uh, put a pin in that. I think I don't think there's much chance of that, but we'll come back and talk about that at some point. Um, anybody object to it going to the the referee for the bad call on Brady? That's fine with me. No, I th- I, yeah, I think that's the number one for the weekend. Yeah, I just don't like referee bad calls are part of the game. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not comfortable with it, but I'm being outvoted here. So, thanks, gentlemen. So we should raise a glass to our Loch Lomond Belter of the week. A nice little malt from Loch Lomond as we celebrate Mister Taysom Hill, Mister Saints himself. <laughs> Let's go to our team of the week. Uh, Gents, I'm going to make this easy in a couple of positions. I think quarterback has to be Josh Allen, simply because he had the highest passer rating. And I know he eviscerated the Steelers, but nobody came anywhere near close. And I think Gabe Davis, simply for his flashy play, needs to get one of the wide receiver slots. Um, Let's start with then running back. Who's who's going to go? Is Is it Ian? Is it Eckler? I think it has to be yep. Eckler, yeah. It was a really good performance by him. A nice long run of 71 yards in there as well. So it's going to help. I would throw uh, Barkley into the mix, not necessarily for the numbers, but for the sheer impact he has on the team. But Eckler's only... If it's a one running back uh, team, then it's it's Eckler. So. I, I just want to know where they'll be playing Taysom Hill. Well, I think that, that's <laughs> going to be the interesting one because... How do you not give it to Travis Kelsey as the tight end? You can't. Uh, you can't not. So mm. that's got to be Travis Kelsey. So I think what we've got to do is controversial because I'm in charge of the, the podcast. We are only going to go with two wide receivers and we're going to go with a double tight end set. And we're going to put <laughs> Taysom Hill in there. I thought you were going to put him at quarterback. Paul, no, no, that's I, really I, what you want to do. No, 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 no. Don't you worry. We've we've got the Baton Rouge Red Rifle. We're fine. Uh, so I only need a second wide receiver to go alongside Gabe Davis. We're looking Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, both are good numbers as well. Any thoughts? Mike Williams had a good good weekend. Ten catches for 134 yards. I, I like I like a wee underdog story, and I was going to put forward Diami Brown. Oh, I was just looking at him, yeah. A, a, a ludicrous day um, and um, elevating Carson Wentz um, from where he possibly didn't deserve to be. Well, I'm, I'm happy with that. So we would have Josh Allen, Adam Eckler, Yami Brown, Gabe Davis, Travis Kelsey, Taysom Hill. And we need a, an offensive line, gentlemen. Any oh, thoughts would, on... I'd give it to the Giants. They just shoved the Green Bay... Front four around all afternoon. You know? I know they weren't they weren't coming up against a huge amount, but in line for putting those up, getting Alvin Kamara by left off for the season, and I mean Taysom Hill running essentially from the Wildcat has to be the most predictable play in football, and yet still he manages to do what he does. 
that I think that deserves a fair amount of kudos. Yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. It's pretty good. Ian, your your thoughts? Where should we put the offensive line? Uh, I was thinking um, Cleveland uh, for their performance. Um, that they lost for Chubb. Um, I think, to be honest, I mean, it's, it's a homer thing for me to say, but the fact that um, nobody mentioned um, the Eagles' left tackle during the, the game against the Cardinals, um, Jack Driscoll, um, which is amazing for a third stringer to come in and effectively not put a, a foot wrong. Um, but that's a kind of homer decision from me. Um, but I'm kind of uh, I'm veering towards the Browns from how well they did. Okay, we've got nominations for the Browns or the Giants. I think we'll go with the Giants just simply because they were in the UK. So I think that will complete our team. I am very, very scientific when it comes to that. that as a tiebreaker. Ah, absolutely. Uh, quick mention for the Bonnie Sauce Pick'em competition. I had a particularly bad week. Burn it all. Currently leads 53-26. Jake Funk's soul brother and Coos Milk are 51 and 28 at the moment. So I've gone way down. I couldn't find who's leading in terms of us, but at the moment I'm fairly certain it's not me. <laughs> Welcome to the Outer Hebrides. I'm Ian McKinnon. I'm here with Dave Somerville. How are you doing, Dave? Oh, I'm just glad to be here. Um, as a Rams fan, I'm slightly hurting at the moment. <sighs> I bet you are. Um, speaking of slightly hurting, our man out in the field, Callum Blaine, uh, he should be there now. He wasn't there last week, so let's try it. Uh, Callum, can you hear us? Yes, uh, just about. I'm out here in the desert, just a few miles out of Las Vegas. W- what are you doing in the desert? Well, after after last week, I received a, a notification, a, a little message saying to meet someone out here. Ah, okay. And uh, is there anyone there with you? Oh, I, I think I can hear a car coming. Oh, I can. I can see a car just coming over the horizon there. Huh. The car's just pulled up. Oh, you'll never believe it is Mr. Elvis Presley himself. Meeting me in the desert outside of Las Vegas. Now, Mr. Presley, I'm sure everyone is dying to hear what your prediction for the upset of the week and the NFL is. Bear in mind you've got it wrong every time so far. Hi, man. It's, uh, it's all rock and roll, man. You know, like my mom, you're saying, too blowing down Grace Lane. You know, just taking care of business, man. 110%. They're really important big lessons, you know, and I try not to try to you know, hurt my family or offend anybody. Oh, 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 oh. oh, you know, in the ghetto. Thank you very much. Okay, well, you heard it, folks. It's going to be the New York Jets over the Green Bay Packers. Bold claims from Elvis Presley here in the desert. Over to you guys. Well, there you are, Jets over the Packers. Dave, this is, I mean, this is a stretch, but this year, anything could happen. Both the New York teams have a winning record. Talk to us. Why will the Jets win this game? I mean, this, the last time that the Jets and the Giants both had a winning record at this point in the season, it was around 2005, 2006. So it's been a while since we've had any hope in New York whatsoever. However, the Giants have already laid the groundwork for their New York compatriots to really lay in to Aaron Rodgers and the struggling Green Bay Packers. I mean, uh, if, you, if you look at what the Packers ha- what happened to them in London, they blew a 17-3 lead against the mighty New York football Giants with the massive massive Scottish connections there. 
Um, they, I mean, just before, they nearly lost to the New England pretty much under 12s because of how badly beat up the New England Patriots were. Uh, and that they took them to overtime. So, yeah, I think the Packers are looking really not convincing whatsoever. But just to flip it on the other side, the Jets, even though there was they, they didn't have their starting quarterback, they didn't have two, they didn't have Teddy B. The Dol- they put up 40 points against the Dolphins. They ran the ball amazing. Brees Hall was brilliant. Zach Wilson, he was on target. And then look at the defense. You had DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner at cornerback, and they were both just brilliant shutting down the Dolphins attack then you had Greg the leg um, putting up the points as well so they're unbeaten in two and I make, I'm going to say they're going to be unbeaten in three and I, I really fancy the Jets to get in on this one and um, do you have maybe an idea of a score a projection you're going to give us you know what it was 27-22 in London so I'm going to go for the Jets to win by 29 points to 22 I think oh. the Jets are the Jets are going to take it back for at least one defensive touchdown so we'll see what happens I have a lot of confidence in the Jets right now but maybe, maybe it's misplaced but at the same time the the uh, betting line is about 46 and a half at the moment so um, and the Jets are getting seven and a half points which is criminal considering what the Packers are like but I think the Jets are really going to surprise a good few people well here's hoping they do as they say you put 40 points up on on, on Miami last mm-hmm. week I don't think anybody saw that coming and that defence is looking sneaky good for the Jets um, oh, yeah. so there we have it Jets over the Packers and maybe this time we'll actually uh, get one of these right from Vegas we've, we've been wrong every week so far it's been terrible it's not uh, us we're not it's wrong it's Elvis it's Elvis. Elvis. This has got to get sorted out. Um, so anyway, thank you very much, Dave. Appreciate that. And we'll hand no it way. back over to the guys at the Stramash podcast. Let's quickly have a little look ahead to week six, which will start with our now traditional shitty Amazon Prime game, um, <laughs> which seems to have caught on quite, quite this, well. This is, this is uh, payment for Al Michaels. There's no doubt about it. Oh, it's absolute payment. So, so two two things struck me. You know, watching a lot of the American coverage uh, the weekend. One is that uh, Prime, you know, pump out their adverts and they're trying to make the Commanders against Bears seem very gritty. Um, the other one was was watching um, the, the Fox guys trying to sell their particular game as well. You know, it's well, that's you know, it's 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 going to be really exciting. And you think, well, not particularly, to be perfectly honest with you, but they are trying hard. Any games catching your eye? Well, let's start with Ian. What about your own team, Ian? I mean, you're flying at the moment. Is is there a stumble coming somewhere as the Cowboys come to town on Monday night, uh, Sunday night football? Possibly. I don't think the last two games the Eagles have played um, particularly well, and um, that Cowboys defense looks exceptional. Um, it could be, it could be a very, very, very tight game. Um, the Eagles have been playing quite a lot of very simple, straightforward offence. If they don't like what they see in the box and they're checking out to receiver screens, which have been working quite well against the, the Cardinals, but I think um, the Cowboys will have that well scouted. So it's the drama really in, in Dallas of is Dak going to play or not because they're testing them this week and you know they're going to shoehorn them in if they think there's any chance whatsoever of him being fit. Whether he's, he's, he's ready or not is a a completely different story, but um, 
the Eagles, the, the defensive line's been playing well, but the offensive line's got some injuries to deal with. And I think the 5-0 and record maybe flatters us a little bit. But once you become that team that starts getting out to one of those 5-0, and 6-0 teams, momentum seems to build behind you and you end up maybe picking up games where you shouldn't. But um, I don't think we are um, the reincarnation of, was it the 2008 Patriots that went undefeated during the season? I don't see that at all. As long as we keep um, quarterback sneaking everything, then we'll be absolutely fine. <laughs> Jamie, the, the, the Giants return home, obviously in such good form, but the Ravens come to town. I'm, I still can't quite decide how good I think the Ravens are this year. I'm, I'm, I've no idea what to expect from that game whatsoever. The well, well, from, are... from your side of the ball or the Ravens' side of the ball? Either. Either like the, the the Ravens are they've got to be streaky parts of the game, but they never seem to be able to to, to hold down four quarters. Um, yeah, and you know, no, if, if the Giants are able to keep up, um, you know, this brilliant game management that they've managed to build in this, then um, I think there's a very good chance that they go and get um, another win. But it's another really strong team. Um, and if they turn up and if play to their potential, like I do not think that Green Bay did, um, then it wouldn't surprise me to see Baltimore come to New York and win. I, I think we need to stop talking about the Giants as a team that is um, not as good as we think they are. I think they are good because of the coach. And as long as there's somebody there who's standing up behind centre who has got an ounce of sense in him, They've got half a, ch- and they've got Barkley, who at the moment is probably the most dynamic playmaker in the league when he's fit. And I, I throw Lamar into that mix because Lamar makes mistakes. Um, I mean, he's terrific to watch, but I, you, I will never, ever, ever, ever trust him fully as a passer. I'm sorry, and Gordon's not here, and he knows I say that. But um, the Ravens are a fantastic watch most of the time because they're a one-man team, in my view. Without Lamar, they're a completely different team. Their defense can't be trusted, although they played a bit better. Um, against the Bengals, uh, I think the Giants can win that game. I think they can win. And then they go five and one. I don't. I don't. I don't think you'll see um, a team get away from the Giants. No. Um, I don't. You know, if, if if the Ravens are to win, it'll be certainly within seven, probably probably far less, probably within three. Um, it's just that they ha- they have the talent on the roster to be able to do that against the Giants if they if if they really have a strike. You talked about the value of coaching. We need to obviously touch on the change in Carolina. Matt Rule is the first of the coaches to go this season. Obviously, the the Panthers have disappointed. They brought in a new quarterback. That was on top of bringing in a quarterback last season as well. But they're one and four. And five games into the season, Ian Stephen, they've decided enough is enough. Yeah, I mean, you could see it. You could see it coming, and it's a, a, a heck of a a goodbye handshake that he gets $800,000 per month for the next four and a half years. So it's not as if Matt Rule's going to be destitute, but it's where do they go from here? Carolina have given themselves a heads up and every other team in the NFL by starting a search far before them. And the, the rumour is that the Cardinals ownership want the next Sean McVay. So that means it, it rules out potentially chasing after D'Amico Ryans, the defense, defensive coordinator from the 49ers. So is it going to be the offensive coordinator from the Cowboys, uh, Kellen Moore? Um, 
that would be a quite interesting to see. Is are they going to make a pitch for Sean Payton? Do they have enough firepower? Do they have to offer Sean Payton general manager role as well to getting on board? Um, so they're going to start doing their due diligence. So once you start, once you start getting a team that starts um, accelerating an offense during the course of the season, then expect all the offensive coordinator names are going to be linked with um, Carolina. Charles, this might actually be a good thing for Matt Rule because already, I mean, I could give you a list of 10 colleges that are being linked with them. It's free money as well. I mean, well, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't think you'll, I don't think you'll go and, and work. I think if I was Matt Rule, I would go and buy a holiday house in Hawaii and go and live in it for the three I'm, years of the contract that yeah, I'm, I'm getting paid I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure NFL contracts are if you pick up another job, then you stop getting paid. So mm-hmm. I think he goes on. I don't, I don't see gardening leave. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't. I don't see another um, college team matching or bettering what he's on. So I think he'll he'll have a kind of semi-retirement for a while. He could. I mean, he, he could quite happily go off and do commentary in college work or punditry. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Do you know, and he'll pick up free checks here and there. So I mean, listen, that whole place is a total and utter shambles. It's a shambles. David Tepper's the new owner in Carolina, and he gave him a six or seven year contract. You get everything you deserve with that. Do you know what will be interesting is if they decide to trade McCaffrey? Because if you're Christian McCaffrey, you're getting wasted there. You're not going to win this year. You're not going to win next year. As a, go, as a, go, to as a, a, go to a team that's going to win. As a competitive team willing to take on his contract, though, I mean, if, if you're one of the elite teams in the NFL, one of those teams think, I just need one more piece and I'm going to the Super Bowl, I don't think they can afford McCaffrey. Uh, maybe maybe somebody like Brian Burns, maybe he's one of the guys that may get traded. Um, but I think McCaffrey's, I think the Panthers are going to have to eat his contract for the next couple of years. But then if they have a fire sale, will that make them attractive to another coach? Maybe another coach thinks, hey, if I if I pick up McCaffrey, I can do X, Y, and Z with him. They need to keep him. Or uh, Brian Burns would be the focal point of my defence. Their, their problem is they've never got the quarterback position right. And they're, they're going to now, they're going to get a high pick. And this quarterback draft that's coming through is meant to be very, very special by all accounts, and they clearly didn't trust that Matt Rule would be able to pick the right one. So whoever is making the call on the draft next April for Carolina is under an immense amount of pressure. And that person, whoever the coach is, you know, it's going to be a very, very big call for the future of that franchise because they need to get the right quarterback because it ain't going to be Baker Mayfield and it's not going to be Sam Darnold either. So... So just to run through a couple of the other games that we might be looking forward to, I think the Bengals Saints with Joe Burrow, uh, former LSU, going home. Bill's Chiefs. Nobody's obviously. looking forward to that with with a blooming tight end at quarterback for New Orleans. Nobody's <laughs> tuning into that at all. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Bill's Chiefs. But have guys, you given up on the Jaguars already? By the way, what well, I'm I'm just. You know, done with them. You realise why that was a bad move after the It's, it's like 12, being ambidextrous. I've got two teams, don't worry. Uh, I just want to wear my Tim Tebow jersey to London, although I might go back to the Saints. Guys, we can't leave the podcast without talking about the big Monday night game. And I don't know about you, but I am thrilled to see finally Denver getting into prime time. Um, <laughs> it's something I don't think we've seen in, what, six or seven days. <laughs> it's brutal. Uh, Broncos at Chargers. Disgusting um, game. Pass. I hope uh, I hope Justin Herbert puts up forty on the Broncos. I mean, I poor old Nathaniel Hackett. What a shame. He's dealing with a duffer at quarterback. 
So that's fact. Bills Chiefs is the game of the, the game of the season so far. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Game of the definitely. season so far. And do we want? Who do you want to win in that? This is one where you don't have to. You know, you're a neutral. You can sit and enjoy it. Who do you want to win? I want the Bills to win because I want the Bills to have the home field advantage in the playoffs and see a rematch. Because I think if it goes to Arrowhead, that's the Chiefs have got the advantage. I want, I want, their t- I want the Bills to have the home field advantage in the playoffs, and I want Patrick Mahomes to go there in the playoffs. And you've got snow flurries and all sorts of crazy people in uh, Northwestern New York just losing their plot. I think this is the game for it. This is the game they've got to win, Buffalo. I've put a lot of statistical analysis into where I'm, I'm um, putting my support in this game, and I've decided that since Buffalo was such heels at the weekend against uh, Pittsburgh. Their defence were such dirty cheats. I'm not <laughs> interested in them anymore. And I've swayed towards Kansas City because I saw the latest insurance commercial with Patrick Mahomes, with Andy Reid drawing moustaches on people who <laughs> sleep. And I want the Chiefs to win it all this season just for that. That's analytics that I can get dogmatic about. Yeah, I, I, I also think it's great when an Eagles fan accuses some other team of being dirty. Let's just that box that class. quote. Box Jamie's quote there. <laughs> We've been we've not been dirty since nineteen ninety. Come on, give us a chance. That, that that's your image. That's your image, gents. Any final thoughts before we bring this one to a close? <sighs> I don't think so. It's been a stressful weekend. I'm still recovering. London baby I wanted to shout out um, Ron Rivera for chucking his quarterback under a bus when he was the only thing that was functionable about his team he was asked why are all the other teams in the NFC better than you and he just replied quarterback and then he got his head of media to go and tell Carson Wentz that he said it Oh, now, he should have won the ball bag for that. Let's be absolutely honest. That, that's ball baggery of the, the highest nature from Ron Rivera. Well, gentlemen, thank you for your time. Uh, it's been another great edition of Stramash, the podcast of NFL Scotland. Cameron Hobbs will be back next week unless uh, Matt Rule decides to take him to Hawaii and they go happily in the distance to live together. For Ian Stephen, for Jamie Borthwick, for Charles Patterson, and myself, Paul Mitchell. Thanks for listening. Until next week. Bye for now.